position and our blessing as a result of our union with the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, we further went on in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, the Bible says, Paul said, that we should walk worthy of the vocation wherein we've been called. In other words, as a result of being in union with Jesus Christ, there is a demand that's placed upon us to respond accordingly, to walk in a manner, in a way that confirms our union and our position and our blessings in Christ. So we sit and then we walk. And then when you look in the Ephesians, in the book of Ephesians, when Paul began to address the walking part, it is very interesting to note he addressed five major areas of our life where we can live out our union with Christ, our blessings in Christ, and so forth and so on. Five major areas. Number one, he said you and I should relate very well to our neighbors. Number two, that you and I should relate very well in a Christ-like manner to other believers. Number three, that we should relate very, very well in a godly manner to our spouses. Number four, that we should relate very well to or with our children. And last and not the least, he said we should be examples of Christ in the marketplace or in the workplace. And this morning, I have a treat for you because before we start doing kingdom conversation, I have a short clip I want to show you that will highlight and accentuate and emphasize the issue of me and you living our lifestyle in the marketplace. So five, five areas of relationship. Because the relationships that we engage in is the laboratory, if you will. Is that place where your Christ-likeness and being like God and being in union with God, that's where it's lived out. I said very clearly during the course of these teachings that, the, that, that my maturity as a believer, my maturity or spirituality will not be measured by how well I preach. It will not be measured by how well I pray. It will not be measured by how well I praise. It will only be measured by the character I display, which is lived out in the relationships I just mentioned, our neighbors, other believers, my spouse, my children, and my co-workers. Amen? So again, we have a, we're going to have a, a short video clip that I'm going to show you in a moment. And then the third thing Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, he said, put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So we sit, we walk, and we stand. So the standing describes my and your attitude towards the enemy. Amen? So that's the book of Ephesians in a capsule. And so in a few minutes after we watch the video, I'll, I'm going to start taking your questions. If you have any questions, any comments that is relevant to being seated with Christ. This is not a time for eschatology. Okay? So just make sure your questions are relevant to the teachings uh, if you have any comments. Amen? So can we just turn on the video, please? Thank you very much. Amen. So I was here in this restaurant. Uh, I had a breakfast meeting with a couple of people. And when we finished up the meeting, I had some deposits that I had to make, which I normally would use your app to do. Right. Uh, but I also had a wire that I had to send. I looked out the window. Can we turn it off someplace? Right there. Right there. Yeah, that's good. So, uh, can't be for convenience. So I walked through the door, and they made me feel like I belonged. Um, he walked in, um, we say welcome to trust. Um, he started by saying that he'd like to do a deposit. That's why we introduced him to one of our tellers. After finishing the transaction, he said that he needs to also do a wire transfer. I walked out to the lobby and I introduced myself to him. Uh, what? My name is Sumba and I'm going to be helping you with the wire. It's not just about sending wire, it's about engaging the clients as well. We, we got talking as if I've known him forever. He has known him forever. We had a nice chat. I don't think they had any idea what I did for a living other than I worked at Walflax. He came in with a white shirt and Waffle House logo. So I was like, oh, do you work across the street? He said, no, I work in a different location. I said, oh, cool. I started 
talking to them and I, of course I always have some coupons in my pocket and I pulled out a couple free waffle coupons and as I'm sitting in her office I'm looking across the street at the waffle house and I'm thinking we can just have food delivered. I was like oh wait what we ordering breakfast? He's like yeah. She said I'll do anything I can to help you and uh, don't hesitate to call me if you need anything at all. So I love that. She, she went above and beyond. We feel like that's the one thing we have to do to differentiate ourselves from our company. Right. To provide the experience and build a relationship. So when you are striving for that every day, to experience it personally, it really resonates with you. And the fact that they didn't know you and they delivered the kind of client experience that made you want to tell me that day, uh, that's one of the best days I've had in a long time. We got an email from Mark Chancey. The truth is I was literally shaking when I saw the email. I was like, what? This is exactly what we mean when we talk about delivering the kind of client experience that differentiates Waffle House. We take care of the clients every single day the same way. For, for us, he was one more client that we cared for, that we take care of on a daily basis. It just so happened that he, he was the CEO of Waffle House and we didn't know about it. We showcase our trust. We showcase our brand promise. This is what we get trained to do. If you have a penny or millions in your account, it's the same. You can't come to a Waffle House without learning how to cook a little bit. Oh, I'm so, ready. You know, I am ready. You got you to gotta wear a name tag. Oh, so, look at that. We got this oh. special. Oh, yeah. There you go. The, uh, the oil on the grill. There you go. And then the hand press on top. It's perfect. Look at that. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, do you guys mind if we join you guys? All right. I can't tell you how, how proud it made me, our whole consumer leadership team, and Bill Rogers to have you reach out and let me know the experience that you uh, had with our team. Uh, is is really the highlight of my year. So thank you all very much. But, but it wasn't simple. I, I mean, the, the teammates behind the counter were wonderfully engaging and they made me feel very welcome. And then you came out of your office and led me back to the office and you made me feel special. You know, with, before all this, you know, came up, I hadn't really thought about how our businesses are very similar and what we're trying to accomplish and the purpose that we serve and the purpose that we serve. And, and we, you know, we here to serve the community. That's what we do. And, and that's the way you made me feel that day, too. Well, we're proud to be your neighbors across the street. Yes. We are proud to be your neighbor. We'd like to, we'd like to set up a sun trust across every Waffle House. Oh, All of the Southeast. That would be... <laughs> we could co-locate. <laughs> How are you doing today? The reason I wanted to come and, and serve y'all was because, Derek, you and the rest of the group served our team after uh, Walt came back from a visit to the, to the bank. And the partnership that we have between Waffle House and SunTrust is something that I'm personally really proud of. And the kind of experience that you receive when you walk into a Waffle House is the same kind of experience that we want people to have when they come into SunTrust. You know, we, we love being neighbors in the community and working together. And so thank you for all that you do. And I hope you enjoy your drinks. <laughs> And the main actor in that movie you just watched is none other. Sumba, will you stand up? <laughs> Amen. Amen. I don't know if you guys heard what the CEO of Waffle House said. He said when he went to SunTrust for what would have been a normal experience he said, but she made him feel special. Yeah. And that's the essence of our calling. Yeah. All of us are called, whether you are at SunTrust, Wells Fargo, IBM, GE, General Motors, WorkFine, wherever you work, we are all called to make the people that we come in contact with special. Yes. Why? Because God calls them to be special. And they're just looking for someone to affirm them in some way or fashion to make them feel good about themselves. Amen. 
So, Sumba, we salute you. We thank God for the grace of God upon your life. Amen. Praise God. Now, if you have your questions, start walking to the mic now while I'm talking. Start walking to the mic while I'm talking. Her testimony did not end there. Now, can you imagine what it took for SunTrust to actually say, you know what, let's reenact this whole thing? Do you know the impact of that in an organization when the, when the CEO of SunTrust said, you know what, this happened? Now, let, let's, let's, let's reenact it. It means they felt the impact of that transaction within the organization. And they want the entire banking industry, SunTrust, to catch that same culture and begin to replicate it. Yes. Amen? Amen? Now, her testimony didn't end there. She does this on a regular basis, just engaging customers and clients and talking to them. Many of us know that she was in a car accident not too long ago where her car was totaled. And so one day, she was talking to a client and she just mentioned that in passing that, you know, she's in the market for a new car, for another car. And the client just asked her casually, what kind of car are you looking for? And casually, she responded. And I keep on saying the word casually. It sounds casual, but inspiration by the Holy Spirit. Because when you are in union with Christ, you don't have to strive or labor. It becomes as automatic as the mango on the mango tree. You are not working for it. It's just coming out of you. So she just said, oh, yeah, Mercedes-Benz will be good. The client she was speaking with, the father owned a Mercedes-Benz dealership. Now, I know some of you are waiting to say they gave her the car. No, they did not give her the car. <laughs> but she knew that the car they were going to get for her would not be a plucker. She would not have to drive it and the wheels fall off on the... So she has a... She has, I saw the car last week. Nice. Nice, 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 nice. That's what God does. You honor him, he honors you. And so for the entire month of February, we're going to be taking all these relationships on every Sunday. Neighbor, believers, spouses, parenting or children, and of course, the marketplace. How do we display the aroma of God in all these Faces of our relationships in the main sanctuary on Sunday mornings coming from February. But alongside with that, the other parallel track is that we are also bringing a teaching. Uh, I don't want to give out the names now, but this will be at 9 a.m. to help you get the nitty gritty nuts and bolts of how to put these messages in your life. Dr. Norfolk is going to be teaching it. I've seen the material. I'm telling you, you don't want to miss it. It will also start sometime mid-February because we want to make sure everything is right before we bring it to you. But it will give you the nuts and bolts, things we could not say in this setting or in the previous setting that you get a chance to say and talk about so that you can be really, really, really equipped for the grace life that's coming. I, I, I'm encouraging everyone, possibly, to get in that class, nine o'clock. Uh, because I've seen the material, I just looked at it uh, this morning, actually. Very, very, very good. Very good stuff. Amen? All right. Any questions on being seated together with Christ? Nobody's gotten up. If you don't have a question, then I have questions for you. To make sure you got the message. Anybody's going to bury the cat? This will be the first time. Okay, can anybody who was here all week tell me what you got? Maybe I should rephrase that. Did you get anything? <laughs> so, so I'm not presumptuous. That <laughs> anybody? This is a kingdom conversation. It should not be one-track thing. It should be... Thank you, Brad Greg. I like your buckles on your belt. Thank you. Um, I, I just want to uh, talk about being seated. Okay. And uh, be, be seated. If, if you are 
implicit and pride. Does the standing position, is it of any relevance? Basically, if you are deeply seated, aren't you completely covered? Or is that giving a chance for the devil to just come up you? Very good question. Let me make sure I understand what you're saying. The point he's saying is, if you're already in union with Christ, and you are at, at, you are at rest in his finished work, which is exemplified in you being seated, does that not cover the issue of your attitude towards the enemy? Is there any more need to have to stand? The answer is, okay, let, let me answer the question this way. So we know that Jesus is the Son of God, is that correct? And we know that Jesus himself was in total union with his Father all of the time. Also, my question to answer that question is, was he attacked by the devil? Yes. I rest my case. So by that, I've just answered to you that being seated or in union with Christ does not mean the enemy will not try to pull you out of your place of rest. He will still seek to attack you. The thing, though, is because you are seated and in union, you understand, number one, your position. You understand the blessings that come along with that position. So you have tools. You're not frightened. You're not anxious. You're not scared. You're not fearful because you know that in Christ you are secured. And therefore, you face that opposition with much more confidence than you would otherwise. That's the difference. Thank you for that question. Anybody else? Sure. Go ahead. And like I said um, on Friday, the battle has already been won. So we're just standing is that we are the, the uh, Paul was just telling us what to put on to so that the enemy will not have um, uh, will not defeat us or uh, so that the spirit will not work on us. So we don't really need to fight. We're just standing putting on the faith, the helmet, to stand our ground. Very good. In fact, what she said there just triggered something. When she said we don't really need to fight. You, you must understand the apostle was not senile. In other words, he had not, it's not like he lost his mind and he was lost for words. Everything he said was very selective. Okay, so first of all, I said during the teaching that the entire book of Ephesians was 155 verses. But when it came to the issue of warfare or standing, he only used 10 verses. To help me and you understand that this thing is not a big deal, number one. Number two, he used the word stand. Stand is almost, if you're going to... Uh, servicemen and um, women, our uh, personnel that's in Afghanistan, they're not just standing around. You, you understand? They don't go to the battlefield and just get their AK for the and just stand. They are actively engaged. But Paul did not use any of that terminology. He said stand, which means it's implying that we are just standing our ground. The position already belonged to us. We already have that position, that ground, whatever it is that is in contention. It's already yours. So your role is to stand, almost as if you're standing watch to make sure there's no trespassers. Okay? So it says to stand and to put on the whole armor of God. As she rightly said, the armor helps me and you to further be a deterrent to whatever it is the enemy is trying to bring upon us. Uh, the best way to put this is when we look back in the Old Testament and see what God did with Israel. How we know that God promised them the, the land, Canaan. It's already, he said it's given to them already. However, they had to show up. They had to show up. And we know that the land was not only promised by God, the inhabitants of the land were already shaken. Rahab said that in the book of Joshua. He said, we've heard what God has done. In fact, when we heard it, we were already in fear. So the point here is, the battle has already been won. 
And so we are not fighting to win a battle. We are fighting from victory to victory. We are not fighting to get victory. We are fighting from a victorious, conquering perspective. And to the degree that you understand that, the, the, the battle takes a totally different scenario. Completely. You're not in fear, you're not in anxiety, you're not afraid of what the enemy can do or cannot do. You know you're going there just to mop up. You know what mop up is? Collect the goods. I'm showing up to just collect what's mine. And you get out of here. You don't belong here to begin with. That's the confidence with which you engage the enemy when you understand your position. Amen? Amen. So thank you for that contribution. Anybody else? Yes. Mine is not a question. Okay. It's just a question. Okay. Uh, I look at this grace thing as an issue of issue of mind. mind. Okay. Uh, either we believe, either we let the devil or we become fanatics. We have those three choices to make. Repeat this choice again. Get, 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 take a hold of the mic. Take it. Just pull it out. It comes out now. Oh, okay. I mean, from the holder. From the holder. Okay, there you go. Thank you. Uh, my observation is just, uh, I look at it from other we believe it. Okay. Some of these things that we talk about, you know, sit, stand, and walk. Is very simple, but with things, the issues of life that we face, we, we, we just don't believe it. And then the issue is either we are being tormented with the issues of life that we are faced with, so the fear, all these things unknown, it becomes a battle of our minds. And then some, we can hold strong to it and become fanatics. And so, we struggle between those three areas. Where do I belong? Depending on the condition where I am. So we walk by what we see, which is what the life we live, what we hear, what we smell, all those kind of things. Yes. So all these things that is, we've been talking about that is easy for us to understand. We just look at our issues and say, oh, I don't believe this. It's not working for me. Why will it work? But it's very simple. Through the teaching, faith was the underlying word that I see there. If we don't have faith in all these things, I don't think we can move past it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the point he's making is that all of these things are available for us, but we simply have to believe. Now, that takes me back to the foundation of our salvation. How do you get born again? How do you get born again? Okay, okay. Let's go to the scriptures. Let's go to the scriptures. Romans 10, 9. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Can you put that on overhead for me, please? Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and what? Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, notice he didn't say you believe that he died. But that you believe that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So yes, believing is where it starts, but it never ends there. We don't believe to be born again and then stop believing after we are born again. Paul comes back in Ephesians chapter 2 to repeat this same thing in verse 8, and we all know this. For by grace you have been saved. Is that all complete? No. Through faith. This transaction of your salvation by grace took place through faith. 
or simply speaking, through believing. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So do I believe in this gift that God has given? That's the bottom line. Do I believe in this gift? Amen? So I don't want us to, to not emphasize that enough. It is important that everything we talk about in grace, you have to exercise faith. So grace makes the provision. Faith makes the appropriation. Grace provides it. Faith manifests it. You have to believe. If you don't believe you are in union with Jesus, well, then you will not live as one. All of us live what we believe. Whether you know it or not. Our habits, the habits we form, the things we do are as a result of what we believed. You believe a lie of the devil, you're going to live at that lie. Yeah. Yeah. So it's important we understand that. Yes, Brother Derek. Thank you, sir. I missed some of the days, but I wanted to probably expand um, on the question that, uh, not the question, but what Paul meant to be sealed unto the day of redemption. Ah, okay. What does Paul mean about being sealed unto the day of redemption? That's a good question, but can you allow me to see if any other body, any other body, any other person has got it? Is there anybody that can answer that question? We talked about it for two days. Okay, Blondell, come, come to the mic. Thank you. I'm doing this because I just want to make sure everybody got it. I believe that when we are saved, there is no way of losing your salvation. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit that lives within us. And it is until Jesus comes back and redeems us that we are saved until the day of redemption. That's what I got. Amen. Now may I speak another thing? You uh, spoke, while I'm up at the mic, I'll take advantage of it. You, <laughs> you, you've taught us, and I want to thank you for my teaching this past week. However, I want to say that I got so much sit, walk, and stand. I have started, I've always been in my devotion and studying the word, but I realized sitting and communing with God, with Jesus, while I'm sitting there, and just before I even start to walk, I ask God, where are you taking me today? <laughs> what do you want me to do today? And you have taught it so well that I feel imperative that I must seek him to see where do you want me to go today? What do you want me to do? Not my will, but your will be done in me through you today. Amen. And then stand. <laughs> uh, no, walk. I walk in what he tells me to do. Then I stand. And I like this because, let me tell you all who don't know, I've been in law enforcement for a long time. I like to take my stand. I take that combative stand. And I don't move so easily. My family's here with me and they'll tell you. I don't move just because you want me to move. I have to feel that it's the right thing for me to do. So I take the stand and then it is something that is not an easy thing because sometimes you, that you want to move. You want to move and I want to get back in your face like you get in mine. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit unctions me and even if I don't do what it tells me to do, it has told me, then I have to repent because I know I didn't do the will of God in what I did just now. So I got so much and I want to just thank you again. So that's what I felt about the redemption 
And then I, those three issues. Amen. Sit, walk, and stand. Amen. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you for that contribution. Does anybody else want to add to what she said about being sealed by the Holy Spirit? Please come to the... Anybody wants to add to it? Sister Julia, I see you're moving. Are you moving to come up here or just shifting because Brad Frank is nudging you on the side? Which one is... <laughs> Anybody wants to add to that? Okay, let me just, let me just take a crack of that. She, she said it very well. But I think you, you wanted more, is that correct? Yes or no? Okay. <laughs> when the Bible talks about being sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption, what she said is correct, absolutely. But what I can add to that is, God has chosen us, reconciled us, and left us here on the earth to accomplish a mission for him. And like I said, using the book of Ephesians, Ephesus was a port city, and they dealt a lot in the lumber industry. They would bring those lumbers on a ship, and when they get to the port, they put them on their rafts, like shelves. And the reps or representatives of different lumber companies will come to the ship, to the port, and look at those lumbers and place a seal of their company on the lumber that belongs to them and leave them there until the day or time that they need those lumber and come back to retrieve them. So the seal will be the mark that distinguishes that lumber from the one that belongs to Home Depot or Lowe's or... Uh, Hobby Lobby or any other company that's dealing in lumber. You follow what I'm saying? So that seal was a sign to anyone looking that this lumber, or in this case, this child of God belongs to God. The seal was a mark that God placed upon us to identify us as himself. Now, in our case, it's not just a rubber stamp. It's the Holy Spirit himself. And the scripture goes on to say in that next verse that the Holy Ghost is not just a seal, which he is, but beyond and above that is also a guarantee, a deposit. So God said, the work I'm doing in you, I'm not doing it all in one time, but I'm going to put a down payment down in your future, in your destiny, in the call that I have for you. Derek, I want you to be assured that just as I have put this deposit down on your life, I am coming back to make sure I redeem it or I, 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 I finish that which I began. Yes. So the guarantee, in my case, is not dollars, pound sterling, euros, Ghanaian CDs, Nigerian Naira, no. The guarantee for me and you is the person of the Holy Ghost himself. Which in normal transaction, if you buy a house or you buy a car and you make a commitment to buy and you put the deposit down, the point is if you don't go back to finish that transaction, you lose your deposit. So God is trying to tell me and you how critically important you are as his inheritance. God, me and you are God's inheritance. Think about that. Think about the, the wealth and the richness of God is custodian. It, it, the, we are the custodian of it. We are his inheritance. So he's saying, listen, you are going to be my, I'm going to give you the Holy Ghost as my deposit. Which if I don't come back, I will lose. Now, think about that. Will God ever lose the Holy Ghost? No. Because the Holy Ghost is God. So God wants to impress upon us how important you are for which he is going to leave himself as a deposit. Not money, not silver, not gold, but himself. Because he will not abandon himself. Yeah. Hallelujah! So that's the seal and that's the guarantee of her redemption. Praise God. Sister Shadi, if you're not comfortable with the mic, just take it out of the handle. Yeah, you can remove it. There you go. 
Thank you. Yes. Um, I wanted to ask about our uh, Christians' uh, principle of submission in different relationships. The issue of submission? Yeah. We, okay. It's, well, I, I know that uh, when we were here, like in chapter 5, we talk about so all our relationships. Yes. We have that principle of just trying to be submissive in terms of we just talked about it this morning as well, yeah. in terms of trying to um, be friendly, trying to love, uh, different relationships. Obi! The question is... It's good to see you, my friend. <laughs> Praise God. I love the boldness of your head. It's, you must have put some new oil on it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that. That's okay. <laughs> the issue of loving our enemies. How do we, when you know somebody's wronged you and they really hurt you in hmm. a very bad way, mm -hmm. how is it that you can continue to knowing what they have done to you and then you didn't see them again or maybe you were in church with them uh they rob you they've done all these things to you how 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 i, I don't know how we can try to change that to be able to love them Amen. Not that you can you can uh tolerate them but try to love them is very hard yes and i was just wondering what can you give us yes. to be able to help us to overcome that? Amen. Praise God. That's a very, very important submission. And uh, like I said earlier, we're going to take the entire month of February and begin to address relationships. Because the truth is, if we are singing, dancing, praying, preaching, and praising, and we don't address relationships horizontally where we live and move every day, we are just deceiving ourselves. These things are the big elephants in all of our rooms and we need to address them head on. But just for a quick answer, quick, we're going to have to unpack this over the period of time. This is where the issue of living in union with Christ comes in. If we are lacking in the area of living in union with Christ, we will always have issues with relationships. As long as there will be human beings on the earth, there will always be vessels that the enemy will use to irritate you, to hurt you, to disappoint you, and to just mess you up. That's, that's a given. The only hiding place, the only refuge we have is the union with him. Now, Having been in union with him, you must understand that you are not living the life. This is really where we, where we really miss it. This is where we miss it big time. Give me Galatians, uh, Ephesians, no, Galatians 3.20. 2.20, thank you. Galatians 2.20, give that to me again. Listen what it says. I have been crucified with Christ. Let's just stop there. If that is true in your experience, how do you know you are hurt? That's just the first sentence. That's just the first sentence. Why are you responding to stimuli? Now, I've been to quite a few funerals. In fact, we had a leadership class here that I actually, as part of the class, took them to the funeral home. Okay? I'm yet in all of my short life see a dead man that responds. If you put a person in the casket and you slap him, the chances are the other chick will be there for you to slap. In fulfillment of what Jesus said. No, I'm not doing this to play on words. This is a serious point. Jesus will not tell me I need to do something that is not possible. But the possibility of it is not given in our own strength. 
That's the difference. That's the difference. Because this was a man who we know was the son of God, loved us deeply, came to rescue us, to save us, to help us, to give us deliverance, and yet, the son of Beelzebub. Was that not what they called him? The Bible says he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But to as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the children of God, even to them that believe on his name. If I walked into this building, or into your house, or my house, or my office, your office, whatever, and I sense that you don't receive me, how do I feel in the natural? I may feel bad in the natural. Jesus didn't. Did you hear what I just said? He came unto his own. And his own what? Received him not. You are the son of a carpenter. Who are you? If I said that to someone here this morning, you, you are the son of a carpenter. Who, who, who do you think you are? Not only will you stop coming to this church, you go to Instagram, you go to Instagram, like Master Tosin would say, you go to, uh, you go, you go to all the, all the other social media networks, and you broadcast it and say, Pastor Bank said. Is that not correct? You will be so upset. And yet, this was something that was said. In, in fact, let, let, let's take it, let's take it one, one, one step higher. Acts chapter 9. D don't go there necessarily. The Bible said that Paul went to the elders and got letters. Yeah. Authority. The law to go and arrest all of those that were in the way for preaching and teaching Jesus. And this same man who became a singular enemy of the way. Paul. Jesus said, eh, you have enough energy. <laughs> you want to put all my believers in jail? You, you, Paul. You, Saul, Paul. Ah. Did they kill him? No. On the way, as he was doing what he was doing, Jesus accosted him. Why are you kicking against the priest? Notice, he didn't say to him, you're a bad man. He didn't say you were a murderer. He did not label Paul according to what Paul was doing. He just said to him, this is an exercise in futility. This is not what I created you for. In fact, go. I will send somebody to you who will help you understand the purpose for your existence. So to your question, Sister Shade, number one, what's happened to, all of, to most of us is we've been so informed by societal values. It's been ingrained in us for such a long, long, long time. So much so to now try to allow Jesus to live through us appears to those around us as a sign of weakness. When they go low and you stay high, ah, they say, ah, come on, get in and get out with him. Show him pepper. Let them know who you are. Ah, what, do you, know, do you know how I was raised? I'll, I'll show you something. That's the way of the world. And if you notice in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul kept on telling them, that's the way the Gentiles did things. Let that not be named among you. Why? Because what God is calling you and I to do, it's not me and you doing it. Go back to the scripture. Ah, Shade, why do you leave the scripture? Thank you. <laughs> so, I've been crucified with Christ. This is the point. Next point, Sister Shade. It is no longer how you live. No. You must remind yourself of that every day. That's why I'm saying to us, the prayers we've been praying have been terrible prayers. That's why people pray in certain nations and nothing has changed. Because they are praying the wrong prayers. The prayers they are praying expired 2,000 years ago. This is the prayer point. I no longer live, but it seems like I want to crawl off the altar. Keep on living. God, help me realize that I am really crucified. 
Help me, help me with the re- manifestation of that crucified life in me. That's a prayer point. You pray that for two years, you will not be the same. Yeah. All these this gymnastics. Give the devil an uppercut. Give him a kick in your left leg. Yay! And you go through all of that for two hours and you think you've prayed. You go home, the devil is waiting for you. Knock on your door. Take your wife. Take your husband. Take your children. You've not prayed. You just had exercise in the flesh. Just two sentences. We've not read the whole verse. I'm crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. So every time I speak in my flesh, I need to recognize that's not Jesus speaking through me. You've got to be honest to yourself. Because how does Jesus respond to offense? That's the standard. What I've learned in my childhood, what I've learned on my traditions, what I've learned based on where I was raised, is total, utter nonsense when it comes to the gospel. Now, does that mean I'm perfect? No, no, no. Paul said it. He said, I've not already attained. But the issue is I understand what the standard is and I understand I'm living so par. And so therefore, God, I don't want to pack in this substandard level. Help me to increase my game. It's a prayer point. So all of these are prayer points. All of these are prayer points. And that's where I'm praying that God will help us get to. To where we're praying these things instead of the other things that don't matter. Because when you get this right, the rest is added benefit. you understand what I'm saying? I know I'm not the one that lives. So Jesus, this insult I just heard, how do you want to respond to it? God, I received the grace to respond to this insult the way you will do it. I received the grace right now, Lord. Oh, this is hurting. This is Jesus. Did you hear what he just said to me? Oh, my Lord, Jesus. Man, this is wounding. This is wounding, but I received the healing from you because you've already done it. It's accomplished in you. And so, Lord Jesus, I open myself now so you live in me, through me, to respond to this situation. Serious prayer! You just want, you want, you want to go buy a bottle of oil and stop, stop jumping up and down and, and, and deceiving yourself. It's nonsense. Listen, it's, say it's nonsense. But it takes training. Exercising yourself in the spirit. Day one, day two, day three. And then you are seeing the result. You are seeing the result. You are seeing the result. Ah, the way Jesus just handled this is different from the way I used to handle it. My goodness, look at the outcome. Man, I prefer this outcome than the way I used to do it. And after a while, it becomes almost automatic because you are packed in union with him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is it easy? No. But this is where I must decrease and allow him to increase in me. And allow his voice. He said, my sheep hear my voice. And the voice of a stranger they will not follow. I made it clear during the teaching, I abide in him. Which means I'm seated. But he also said, John 15 verse 7, John 15 verse 4 and 5, that my words abide in you. That's how I know how Jesus will respond. He said, bless them that despitefully use you. So you felt used. What's your response? I'm going to use them back. Ah, you don't know who you're just dealing with. Hey, me? Ah, I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to deal with you. That's the I speaking. Jesus said, I bless them that despitefully use me. So you go back and say, okay, God, what way can I bless this person that just used me? And while you are doing that, you understand you are becoming vulnerable because when you do so, when you bless that person, they go, look at this useless man. I had another language, I almost spoke. <laughs> yeah. And it is the consistency of doing the righteous thing over time that you just wake up one morning and say, wow, I have changed. That's what happened. It doesn't happen in one day, but it happens daily. Now, that's, that, I need to unpack that. It does not happen in one day, but it happens through habits 
and decisions we are making daily. The daily doing the righteous thing will end up one day becoming, wow, look at the progress I've made in God. Amen? Amen. Now, there will be more, but that's just, that's an, so, so really for all of us, and really the question you're asking is, is a big deal because it's where we all are. With your neighbors, with other believers, with uh, your spouse, with your children, and your co-workers. But this I know. There should not be any situation that allows or gives room for me as a believer and you as a believer to get into a situation where we stop being on speaking terms. Something's wrong with that equation. To be in one family and don't talk to one another and avoid one another. It's not right. We need to humble ourselves and put ourselves on that altar. I say, Greg, you know, I don't know what happened, but I know we used to enjoy a wonderful relationship, and I don't know what I may have done, for which now you don't feel as comfortable with me as you used to. At a good time, I'd like for us to be able to sit down and talk about it. Are you open to that, Greg? Put it on you! Don't always go to your brother and say, you did this wrong to me. That is terrible. Own it. Even if you thought you were the one that was right. Own it. You, you know why you need to own it? Because you don't want anything that will interfere with your relationship with God. Now, does that mean they're always going to be open to you? No. But you know what Jesus said in Hebrews? Follow all men with peace and holiness without which no one can see the Lord. That word holiness is not talking about the size, the, your hairstyle or your lipstick or the length of your dress. No. Holiness there is talking about being separate, being different. Follow me with all peace and be different. And be separate. Be distinct. Don't be common. Amen. Hey, Revelation Walker. Yes. It's a WhatsApp question. Somebody sent it in. Okay. First not, not, not Instagram. Okay. I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure. Okay. WhatsApp. Okay. All right. WhatsApp. Okay. They, they are making fun of me because on Friday I said, what, I said, what's up? <laughs> so now the joke is on me. Praise God. No problem. <laughs> First Corinthians 10, 31 through 38, the message translation. So eat your meals heartily, not worrying about what others say about you. You are eating to God's glory after all, not to please them. As a matter of fact, do everything that way, heartily and freely to God's glory. At the same time, don't be callous in your exercise of freedom, thoughtlessly stepping on the toes of those who aren't as free as you are. I try my best to be considerate of everyone's feelings in all these matters. I hope you will build too. The book of Ephesians mandates us to see ourselves and others the way God sees us, not from the outward appearance. What can I dress so that, number one, I do not be callous in that exercise of freedom and grace and thoughtlessly step on the toes of those who are not free as I am? In other words, how can I dress so that my dressing will not be a distraction and will not discourage an unbeliever or a visitor <laughs> who just came to church for the first time. Thank you. Ah, ah. Wow. So let me make sure I understand what this person is asking. It, it almost seems as if they're asking us to give them a, a suggestion or recommendation dress code. Wow. No, I, 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 I don't know that I can, yeah. How can I dress so that my dressing will not be a distraction and will not discourage an unbeliever or a visitor who just came to church for the first time? I guess in exercising my freedom. Okay, so, so what they are asking is, how do they exercise their liberty and freedom without being offensive to anybody else? Yeah. You know, that, that's... that's there, there, are, there are certain things that's decent, that's, that's acceptable as being decent. In other words, almost, this is a revelation. I hate to ask you this any further. 
from the tone of that question, it almost seems as if that question has come from a woman. Woman, is that correct? Okay. Oh, okay, because a man will not wear a dress. Hopefully not. <laughs> oh my goodness. Can I have a woman answer, address that question? Yeah. I prefer chapter and verse. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Well, I feel that you don't want to be offensive, but you are free in Christ Jesus. But nevertheless, I believe the Holy Spirit will help us know what's offensive and what is not offensive. And if you clothe yourself in the righteousness of God, because he said we are the righteousness of God, then you don't want to offend your brother. But you also don't want to go into bondage somewhat where people will put you in bondage if you allow them to. Some would say you can't wear this, you can't wear that or whatever, but I believe as ministers, as we're ministering unto the Lord, the Holy Spirit would truly give us insight and wisdom, what is godly, what isn't godly, and hopefully as you reflect Jesus Christ, you represent him and you reflect him, others will follow you as you follow Christ. Amen. Very good. Marcus, you have something to add to that? <laughs> it is hard to come after Pastor. Okay. But um, what I was trying to say is that, uh, like she rightfully says, we are ministers. We are believers, and we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are all um, part of the sacerd uh, in French, we say sacerdos royal, the royal, the royal priesthood. So, I personally believe that uh, the problem is not the dressing. The problem is the relationship with God. The level of relationship with God will lead you to dress a particular way. So for me, if I see a person, a believer dressed a certain way, I can already tell their level of relationship. It doesn't mean that they're going to hell by dressing this way or that way, but it's just the level of relationship. Some people have the relation to, you know, close, I mean, like, uh, put hairstyle and everything. And some people feel comfortable doing other things. But I have a hard time understanding the Holy Spirit that will lead a believer to dress in a very indecent manner and come to church very comfortably. And my biggest problem is to see somebody that is coming to church with an undecent dress, and um, dressed very undecently, and is a believer, has been a believer for many years, and is attending the church without correction. So uh, finally, what I'm trying to say is that uh, if somebody is grounded and rooted, and know the word of God and have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will be able to tell them exactly what to wear. Okay, let, let, while you're standing there, let me just ask you, you said dressed indecently. Yes. Now, that word is very relative. Yes. What, it, what is decent to certain people is not the same to others. And what's indecent to some is not indecent. So how do you, how do you define what is indecent? My, my opinion, and I'm very, I don't, I, I mean, I say the truth the way it is. So my opinion is that the Bible t teaches us to dress with modesty. And as a woman, we have to give God that honor to dress with modesty. So when we come, you know, and of course somebody will say, okay, it, uh, the word modesty is also relevant to the person who is modest. What is modest to somebody is not modest to you. Sure, sure. According to somebody's relationship. But there are some things that are really seriously indecent. So exposing your belly to come to church is, is indecent, isn't it? I don't know because I think it's indecent. Well, well, I, I miss that. What's, what's indecent? Exposing somebody, I mean exposing your belly. Oh, exposing. Can I see you? Is anybody here exposing their bellies? <laughs> Like that's on, I mean, like this is something that is like really undecent. So what if somebody that is dressed that way 
come to church. A new person that comes to church, rest that will praise the Lord. We love you. We see you. But you are a member. You have been here. And then you have a certain position in the church. And then you come and you are dressed that way. And I don't see no correction. That's a problem. Okay. All right. Thanks for, your con- thanks for that contribution. Yes. Sir Kenny. Take the mic out. Take it out. I think we need to approach that question from another angle. The lady, the lady, um, Sister Rishon, please let's have the question again. Because she quoted some verses before she asked the question. And what I see her saying is she's concerned about using her liberty not to offend Correct. somebody else. So I'm not sure she's only talking about dressing because she, she really quoted some scriptures. Yeah, but, but the question she asked though was how yeah, does she but dress? If you know, the, the tone suggests that you don't want to offend. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, people, it, I think we should look at the heart of the matter. It's not whether the skirt is short, long, or. Yeah, but, but what do you think the question is? I mean, I guess. I think the person also, we need to help the person understand what, what it means not to be offensive whatever you do should come out of a heart of love so you would know if what you are doing is offensive or not starvation please can you read the scripture she quoted okay she said first corinthians 10 31 yeah seven verses of scripture yeah no 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 not the whole scripture basically she put in Big capital letters. Okay. How can I dress so that? Then she asked the question. So it was yeah. about dressing. Then the question says, so that I do not I guess offend. I do not be callous in that exercise of freedom and grace and thoughtlessly step on the toes of those who are not free as I am. In other words, how can I dress so that yeah. my dressing would not be a distraction and would not discourage an unbeliever? Or visitor who just came to church for the first time. Yes, so is she trying to say she doesn't want to be thoughtless or she's just asking about her dress? Because then it's a thought process. Yeah. I, I mean, that's what I got from yeah. that. Yeah. And, and I'm saying I cannot give you a scripted answer. That's very subjective. And, and so, as Pastor Sharon said, I think at the end of the day, each one of us must have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And is the one that must help you know what moderation is. Because moderation is different to different people. But on a larger picture, as believers, we've got to be extremely careful not to really pigeonhole ourselves. Okay, so, so I have one code or standard of dressing for when I come to church. How about when you go to work? How about when you go to work? So, so do you have a different life at church, a different life at, at uh, work, a different life in the so, so we've got to be very, very careful yeah, to, to understand that we play on a world stage, period, and end of story. But at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit is going to have to help us with that. Okay. Tony, I have something. That's the last one. Last one. Um, I kind of wanted to piggyback on um, what was stated just about, um, okay, I'm just going to be very plain. I feel that even from the perspective of where the whoever asked that question is more so coming from a place of how does she exercise her freedom without feeling like she's being judged? And I feel like sometimes in a setting here, um, we have this certain prescription or or how we should how we should look. We come from many many backgrounds, um, different lives. And to me, I feel like, hey, if I look in the audience and, and I see people with a short skirt or two top or just various things, I think we're doing our job. And the, the reason why I say that, people feel free that they can come here without any type of judgment or feeling less of anything um, that, that we're welcoming. Now, there's a certain level where um, as you're being groomed and the Holy Spirit is doing the grooming, he will do the changing. And it's not up to us to kind of be that barometer. It's not to us, up to us to say, mm, no, it's, hey, I love you, and let's, you know, not, not that you don't, 
correct or, you know, but you have to just be very careful still so that we're not um, pushing people away. Amen. Thank you. Thank you very much. Praise God. So, so my last word for today as we bring this to a closing is this challenge for all of us. What I want to call the 360 degree challenge. 360 degree challenge. Go home. Ask your spouse how you doing in your work. Now, please don't break it, bottles on anybody's head. Ask your children. You know, children are very innocent. Ask them, how are you doing in your work? In the marketplace, in your, in your workplace, with this one, you have, to use it, you have to be a little more prudent and more wisdom. But get a feel. How is your work encouraging them about God or discouraging them? Are you displaying the values and the virtues of Christ? I don't want this to just be another teaching we did. Take an assessment. Find out. How are you doing? How are you doing? Amen? Because the circles of our relationship is a big barometer on where we are. As I said during the teaching, when we were with the Amish family, and I asked the Amish man, are you born again? And the answer was very simple. Ask my neighbors. Don't take my testimony for it. Ask those around me. That's what he was saying to me. And if their answer says, I'm not born again, then I have a problem. Because I said this, and I'm going to say it now as we close. If Sally has a problem with Greg, and Sally has a problem with Stephen, and Sally has a problem with uh, John, Sally is the problem. <laughs> Sally needs to drink from grace. <laughs> Amen? And so, Father, we want to thank you for our time together.